5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we have read your word and we thank you that any time your word is read, there's a blessing. So thank you, Lord, for the blessing of just hearing your word being read in public. But we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come now and make your word live in our lives, we pray. Father, I pray that as we have worshipped, Lord, we haven't seen James, Lord, but we have just heard the guitar and raised our voices to you in worship and praise. So, Lord, we don't want to hear the preacher or see the preacher. Lord, we want to hear what you have to say. Oh, God, to remove the distraction of man, oh God, that Jerry Sandy may not be figured in this whole situation, but we pray, Lord, that your word will be exalted to the highest place. And that men and women, oh God, will hear what you have to say today. Gracious Lord, bless Kim as she signs. May our deaf brothers and sisters hear and understand as well. Pray that you will bring many more deaf people into this house, Lord, that they too, Father, will have an opportunity of hearing the glorious gospel of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know, I've entitled this message, The Gospel of God, and we are in Romans. You know, Romans is written, was written to a church, was written to Christians, and so it would be read to a group or company of people like yourselves. And Paul comes to this part of Romans 8, and he says that in a church, in any gathering of Christians, there's always going to be two types of people in a church. Always. It has always been throughout the ages, and it always will be in the future. Jesus calls it, um, the, the wheat and the thorns that grow up together. Or he calls it the sheep and the goats. And they are together. And the only time you're going to know the difference sometimes is on the final day. When Jesus would turn around and say, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. Sometimes the only way you're going to find out is when the farmer goes out and he separates the wheat from the tares or from the thorns. And and sometimes you may never know. And Jesus gives this um, 
um, in, his, in his teaching in the, in the Gospels. But Paul in Romans turned around and said, listen, I want to show you something that will help you to know whether you are a sheep or whether you are a goat. Whether you are a wheat or whether you are a thorn. I want to help you, says Paul, as I open up this, this, this book, this chapter of, of Romans 8. And as he goes through, he, he, he touches on something very, very important. So I'm going to touch on it as well. The first heading then is controlled by the flesh. And so we see Paul here um, states that not everyone is in Christ. Do you remember the opening verses of Romans 8, verse 1? Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. So not everyone is in. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. But there are those who might be in the church, but they're actually not actually in Christ. They're outside of Christ. And when those people who are outside of Christ, Paul turns around and he says um, this. He says, those who live according to the flesh according to the sinful nature, have their minds set on what that nature desires. They have their minds set on what the sinful nature or what the flesh desires. Now to make that clear for you, I mean it's all over in the Bible examples. Let me give you one from the Old Testament and one from the New some of you may know of a character in the Old Testament called Joshua. And those of you who don't know, you might know the old song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And um, that's the Joshua we're talking about. Well, Joshua had a man in his army. The army of God. This man who was in the army was a guy called Achan. Achan was serving the armors of God. He heard the command of God. He saw the miracles of God. But Achan was told to everyone else, when you go into Jericho, do not touch anything of value. Anything that's of value must be given over to the worship of God. That was the command that went out to everybody. didn't do that. We read these things in the Old Testament. It says this. This is Achan speaking. Achan said, when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Achan went into Jericho after they defeated the city and he sees something very beautiful. It was a Babylonian robe. It was silver and gold. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to give that up. Even though I belong to the army of God, even though I heard the word of God, I'm not going to give it up. I'm going to want I'm going to take it for myself. And he took it and hid it in his tent. You see... Achan was being controlled by his flesh. And what he saw, he laid hold of. 
That's in the Old Testament. How about the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, there was a man called Demas. Now, Demas was a man who worked with the Apostle Paul. In fact, Demas heard the gospel, saw what Paul did, saw the miracles, maybe what Paul performed, worked with Paul, helped Paul in the kingdom of God. But when Paul was writing one of his letters, he said this about Demas. He said this, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Demas, because he loved this world, has turned around and said, Paul, I want to hang around with you. This Jesus Christ business you've been preaching, these miracles that I saw, you know what, Paul, I'm not going to go for it any longer. Why? Because I love what the world has to offer. And because I love the world, says Paul, says Demas, even though I was, was once, once in the church, even though I once was serving in the kingdom, because I love the world, I'm going to kick you to the side. And I'm going to go my own way. Because he loved the world. The question must therefore be asked. What is your mindset on? You see, we are constantly being offered by the world to have the most easiest of lives. Never take the difficult path. Always take the easiest road. Eat in the most luxury restaurants. Shop in the most loveliest places. Sleep in the most comfortablest of beds. Keep up the appearances. Make sure the outside always look good. We are constantly, whether it's from the media, whether it's from advertisements, whether it's from the celebrities and the stars, we're constantly told that the easiest worldly life is the best life. And it's so easy for your mind and mine to be set on what the world has to offer. And it's so easy to turn around like Demas. Like Demas said, Paul, you know, I love you, Paul. I love what you're doing. You know, doing a good work. But you know what? I, I love the world so much that I'm going to desert you. So easy to be like Achan and hear the command of God and go in and see the miracles of God. But seeing a beautiful Babylonian cloak and a beautiful bar of gold and money and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to grab that instead of grabbing hold of God. So easy to do that in this day and age. There was one man in the Bible who didn't do that. Do you remember Moses? The Bible said about Moses that he was a prince in Egypt. In other words, Moses was in line to the throne. He had all the glamour, all the glitz, all the money, all the wealth that money could have and, and could buy. That was Moses. But listen to what the Bible says about him in Hebrews 11. It says this. He chose. He made a conscious choice. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. 
He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. Here was Moses. He said, you know what? I'm going to take the disgrace of Christ. I'm going to take the, the, the being mistreated with the people of God. And I'm going to reject the pleasures of sin. Why? Because they're fleeting. They're there for a moment. They're there when the, you know, when the sun is shining, as it were. But they're, they're soon gone. They soon find wings and fly off. They soon leave you. And Moses said, I'm not going to go for the pleasures of sin. I'm going to lay hold of Christ. He forsook Egypt. And so, coming back to Romans, we see that the desire, the sinful nature, the man controlled by the sinful nature of the flesh, his desire is for this world. He might be in a church, but his desire or her desire is for what this world has to offer. That's the first thing. The second thing Paul says about um, those who are controlled by the flesh, he says that the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Not only are they desires are different, but it seems that they're hostile. Now that's a very interesting word. That word hostile is a Latin word, and it has its roots. Um, meaning stranger or an enemy. Those who are controlled by the flesh are not only looking the other way, they're not only turning around and saying, I want the world, but they're also turning around and saying, I completely do not like this God. I don't like his laws. I don't like his rules. I don't like his word. I don't like his Christ. I don't like his cross. I don't like anything about him. Not only are they looking for what the world has to offer, but also they're looking at Christ and they're hostile towards God. Now, if you don't believe me, stop anyone in the street and speak to them. Speak to them about God. Speak to them about Christ. They'll talk to you about anything all day long, but as soon as you mention the name Jesus, their face and their countenance will change. I remember when um, Theresa May, who's a, a Christian, I remember when she came into power um, some years ago, uh, four or five years ago, I don't know how long ago it was, but she came into power, she, she became the Prime Minister of Great Britain. And there was a comment that came up in the newspaper, and it said this, I don't mind her being prime minister, but as long as you don't bring God into politics. That's what it said. We don't mind her, but we do not want God. And that is the cry of our nation. We don't mind you. If you want to be a Christian, that's fine. But don't you dare talk to me about Jesus Christ. Don't bring God into the situation. Why? Because the mind controlled by the sinful nature, the mind controlled by the flesh, not only wants what the world has to offer, but also it hates God. 
is an enemy of God. It hates Christ. It's an enemy of Christ. And that's why we haven't got a full church packed to the rafters. That's why you go down the high streets and churches are empty. That's why you go into the country and they're closing down the churches. That's why houses are being built. Why? Because our nation has turned away from God and said, you know what, we even hate him. Don't want him in our lives. Don't want him in our schools. Don't want him in our politics. Send him over to the prisoners. They can have him. But we don't need him. They're hostile to God. Paul goes on to say that not only are the mind of the sinful man, not only the desires are wrong, not only is he hostile to God, but Paul also turns around and says that that he does not submit to God's laws. Nor can he do so. He cannot submit to the word of God. Now Jesus, when he was ministering, he, was, he met a young man. And, and this young man um, spoke to Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus, you know, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. Do the commandments. Thou shalt not steal, honor your mother and father. And this young man says, you know, Lord, I've done all of these things since I was a young boy. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He realized that this man had tremendous wealth. Tremendous money behind him. But he looked at him and Jesus loved him. And the Bible says this. Let's find out what he says. Jesus Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lacked, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, the situation I want you to grab hold of is not about money. It's about who you are bowing down to. You could be worshipping anything. It's not about money. This man was controlled by something else. And because he was controlled by something else, he could not submit to the word of Christ. He couldn't. He wanted to. He wanted to go to the kingdom of God. He wanted to follow Jesus. But when he realized what he had to do, in his heart he realized he's not willing to submit to God himself. And I want to tell you this morning, we have so many people. They're in the church. Praise God they're in the church. Praise God they're hearing the, pro- the proclamation of the message. But when they go home, they've got other things that are far more higher than God. Other things that take far more precedent than what God does in their lives. God comes down there somewhere and all these other things are way up there. And so therefore they're controlled by that. And whatever the Lord says, they cannot submit to. They cannot. Because they're following and submitting to something else. And that leads Paul to his final statement. He turns around and he says, you know... um, 
those who are in the realms of the flesh. Those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You know, let's get it straight. Many, many people do good things. Non-Christians do really good things. They build hospitals. They help the poor. They go to other countries and do great and wonderful. Many, many people do, who are not Christians do wonderful things. And the world and the people of the world applaud them and build statues for them and give them holidays in their name and honour them. And that's fine. The world will always applaud those of the world because you can please men. But if you want to please God, then you cannot be controlled by the sinful nature. Oh, you can please men. You can go go out and build hospitals and help the poor in other countries and and do all the great things that the world would applaud. And they will turn around and say, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with that. But if you are not controlled by Christ, that you will never please God. And the reason why the Bible turns around, Paul tells you why you cannot do it. He says this, the mind governed by the flesh is death. In other words, the person who's not a born-again Christian is dead. He's not alive to God. Oh yes, he's alive to us. They move around and they interact with us. But according to God, when God looks at that person, that person is dead towards him that's why the bible says jesus said you must be born again you must have new life you have to have my spirit working in you if you don't have my spirit working in you then you're dead you have no life you cannot please me you cannot respond to me you cannot speak to me why because you're dead my spirit is not in you you must be born again says jesus And so those who are controlled by their sinful nature. And the question must be asked, what are you controlled by this morning? Who's controlling you? Is it your flesh? Is it your sinful nature? Are you more concerned about what the world has to offer than what Christ has to offer? Are you more concerned about the, um, the pull that the world has on you than the pull that Christ has on you? Who are you serving And Paul turns around in Romans 8 and he says, those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Okay, my final heading then, controlled by the flesh. My final heading this this morning, controlled by the spirit. Let's look at the second group of people who are controlled by the spirit. The Bible says, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. If you are controlled by the spirit, your mind is different. Your values are different. If you're controlled by the spirit of God, you're not like the person sitting next to you or behind you who may be controlled by the flesh. Your mind is different. You're controlled by the spirit. What does that look like? Well, Paul says this over in Galatians. He said this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts 
on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. So Paul's going to tell you what it looks like. Already we've seen that you can set your mind on things that's here. We go out today and we will we'll see, and it's nothing wrong with having cars and houses. Nothing wrong in driving a, a nice car or, or living in a nice part of the country. Nothing wrong with that. But if you are chasing that and you're setting your mind on that, and that is the thing you're living for, then it becomes a problem. And Paul says, right, I'm going to show you what it's like. That is what you're like when you set your mind upon the world. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're going to set your mind on something completely different. You're going to set your mind on things above. That's not a new message. He's only borrowed that from Jesus. Because Jesus turned around and said this over in Matthew's Gospel. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures where? In heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Do not store up for yourselves treasures here. It's very important to look after what God's given us. I heard the other day there's an app on your phone. You can get an app on your phone and you can have cameras in your house. So teenagers, be aware of this new app, okay? Right? Parents will put cameras all over the house and, and they could be somewhere at work and they can look at you and see what you're doing in your house. Keep an eye on what's going on, all your precious treasures at home. And we want to store up and look after treasures here on earth. But the Bible says, you know what? That's not where the man controlled by the spirit, that's not where his focus is. That's not where her focus is. Her focus is somewhere else. And Paul says this, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is your citizenship? You know, um, I just read last week, um, Amber Rudd stepped down from her position as um, Home Secretary. You might have read that yourself. Amber Rudd stepped down because she um, didn't handle the whole issue about the Windrush and the whole issue about these West Indian people coming over and not having a citizenship. And, you know, belonging and having a citizenship is very important. You know, it's very difficult to become a citizen of the United States of America or Canada Australia, they get you to jump through so many hoops. And we who are citizens of Great Britain, we don't know how many hoops people who are not citizens have to jump through to get and become a citizen of the UK. We don't know. 
So if I asked you, where is your citizenship? Some of you would say, well, I'm a citizen of Switzerland. I'm a citizen of France. I'm a citizen of Romania. I'm a citizen of, of England. That's my citizenship. But the Bible said, no, 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 no. That is not where your citizenship is. You are not a citizen of this country, says Paul. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong, says Paul. And we eagerly await a saviour from there. Are you eagerly awaiting your saviour? Are you turning around and saying, well, my citizenship is not here, so I need to understand what is my citizenship like in glory. I'm telling you now, if you want to leave England and you want to go to Australia or you want to go to Canada, you will be studying hard on what they need. Apparently in America, you need, need to learn up their, 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 how to do their government. You've got to learn up their presidents. You've got to learn so many different things if you want to become a citizen of the United States of America. And then once you don't know all of that, then you take an exam before you can become a citizen. You have to study. And Paul turns around and says this, our citizenship is not in this world. It's not the UK. It's not Canada. It's not Australia. It's not the United States of America. It's not Romania. Our citizenship is in heaven. And it's about time Christians begin to wake up to that fact. It doesn't matter what I have here on earth. It doesn't matter. I can't take anything with me. All this wealth and the houses and cars are nothing compared to what God has got in store for me in glory. And therefore, I'm setting my mind on things above. Therefore, I'm setting my heart on things above. Not on earthly things. Where rust and moth and vermin and thieves destroy and break in and stuff. No, no, no. That is not what I'm going to set my hope on. I'm going to set my hope on glory. Because there's a saviour coming. And I eagerly await his return. Let me just close up this message. But not only Paul says that our mind should be controlled by the Spirit and we are thinking about what the Spirit has. But he also speaks about the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I just remember listening to um, Lee Wilson's testimony here. He was sharing his testimony when he got baptized. And um, he said in his testimony that um, uh, Jimmy Tibbs Sr., um, the, um, the older one, not the handsome one at the back there, um, Jimmy Tibbs Sr. turned around and said to him, you need the peace of Jesus. And Lee told us when he was giving his testimony, he said that when his life was controlled by the sinful nature, when his life was controlled by the flesh, he had no peace. Not only did he have no peace, he had no life. His life was full of swearing and cursing and being angry and and, and wanting revenge. He had no peace, no life. But when he met Christ, he said, then I had peace. 
these wonderful verses in our Bible says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, you know, you've got no life. Your life is full of violence. Your life is full of crime. Your life is full of hurting others. I've come that you might have life. Or maybe your life is not full of that. Maybe your life is just full of shopping. Life full of spending. Life full of just making sure the family is okay. Just life just round and round in circles, making sure everything is okay in your little world. You're not a criminal. You're not, and you're not thinking about crime. That's not you. But nevertheless, your life is it's just full of all your little things that you do round and round in circles. Jesus said, that's not life. I have come to give you real life. Life not only here, but also life eternal. But not only does he say, I've come to give you life. Jesus says this as well. He says, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I have come to give you peace. Those who are led by the Spirit of God know life and they know peace. They have the life of God living within them and they have the peace of Jesus Why? Because they controlled and they led and they guided and they governed by the spirit of God and not by the flesh and not by the sinful nature. So, in conclusion, Paul turns around and says these very simple words. Let me just read them out to you again in in Romans 8. He turns around and he just says, to the church, to Christians, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life, and peace the sinful mind is hostile to God it does not submit to God's laws nor can it do so those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God my dear friends I know we have a church it's lovely to see so many people in church But as Jesus says, the sheep and the goats, they move around together. As Jesus said, the wheat and the tares or the thorns, they grow up together. How can you know the difference? How can you tell who's a children of God? Achan was in the camp. Demas was a disciple of God. Paul the Apostle, how can you know the difference? I tell you how. By asking this question, what am I controlled by? Am I controlled by my flesh? Or am I controlled by the Spirit of the living God? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for your word, Lord.
Sometimes I think, Lord, your word seems to be so sharp and cuts deep, Lord, and asks searching questions. And even I feel uncomfortable at times, Lord, even preaching it. But I thank you, Lord God Almighty, that your word comes to heal, to rescue, to redeem, to cause sleepy Christians to wake up, to cause believers who are going back into the world to to shake themselves free again and to come back to where they once were. Lord, I pray that your word may cause us to realize that we want to be led by your spirit. So therefore, oh God, outpour your spirit in great measure today and fill every believer. Fill him, fill her with your spirit, oh God, that we might be led and guided by him and not by anyone else. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.